It's 41 days to election day. Do you have your voting plan figured out? Today, Robin interviews the awesome Reverend Yolanda, and we are back in the blanket fort dealing with grief and the times we live in now. All this and more on The Letscape. You're listening to Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. And I'm Mary McGinley. And I'm Robin Renee. And I am Wendy Sheridan. And here are three random facts. And the first fact is octopodes or octopuses or octopi, whatever, they can not only change their skin color, but also the texture of their skin. They can cause their skin to be smooth or bumpy, and they even can produce things that look like little horns on top of their eyebrows. And I learned all of this from this lovely documentary on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher, which was very nice to watch, to chill out and not think about the world. I invite you all to check it out. Mm -hmm. I actually, that is very much on my short list of things to do. A friend of mine had a... uh, a watch party over Zoom to to see that, and I didn't get to catch it, oh, wow. but I'm gonna watch it. It's uh, it sounds really incredible. It's called My Octopi Teacher. My yeah. Octopus Teacher. Yeah, looks really cool. I have a random fact. Once McDonald's, you know the hamburger chain. <gasps> I've never heard of them. <laughs> they made bubblegum flavored broccoli. And okay. The and attempt, I, it was an attempt to get kids to eat healthier, but it didn't <laughs> go over well with the kid tasters who were, quote, confused by the taste, unquote. I would be disgusted by the taste, but <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like they think bubblegum is going to cure everything. It's like the bubblegum flavored amoxicillin is awful and kids oh. don't like it. <laughs> Bubblegum flavored toothpaste is a little bizarre too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might encourage the kid to just eat toothpaste too, wouldn't it? And I did they <laughs> actually it. grow broccoli with this flavor or did they do something to the broccoli? I don't after know. The, the article did not say. It's, it seems like artificially flavoring broccoli kind of defeats the purpose of having a healthy food. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know how you get rid of the broccoli taste to replace it with something else. I mean, that's no, I, gotta be I so personally weird. like the taste of broccoli, but that's the thing is you want to develop a taste for healthy food in the kids so that they like the taste. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, I hate these grown up men. It's often grown up <laughs> men who won't eat anything green. Like, grow up. You know? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Some of my favorite people don't eat vegetables, which I don't understand, but what are you going to (laughs) do? Anyway, here's another fact. You never know where you're going to see Andre 3000 playing the flute, (laughs) Um, which I think is really amazing. Andre 3000 of Outkast just has been kind of wandering the country and maybe the world, I'm not sure. And people are like just sort of posting their Andre 3000 sightings. 
Um, <laughs> he was hanging around in Philly for a while, and people were like, wow, Andre 3000's playing the flute now, and he's just kind of hanging out. And you see him, oh, here he is by on this corner. Here he is at this <laughs> event, you know, like you just never know. And I just saw recently um, a post of him at the L.A. airport with his flute. So wow. he's just kind of oh, cool. chilling, jamming, I guess. Wondering, here I am, here I am uh, not even knowing Andre 3000 is a human because it <laughs> sounds he's like you know is this an android is this a computer or is <laughs> yes, he's andre a, 2000 uh the former uh a, a previous version of andre 3000 may, uh, maybe mm. but uh i don't know this is the name i know okay i i just that's cool i wish i had the nerve to rename myself something like that oh i'll mm-hmm. think of some names for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not in i am not soliciting names i don't want to be you know wendy mcboat pants or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah oh man anyway (laughs) those were some facts we have got reverend yolanda coming up later in the show and i'm really excited about that i've known yolanda as a singer for a long time and a queer activist and community member we talk about yeah we talk about sexuality and music a lot about music and and her background and spirituality in music which is something that we both have had happen in our in our music in places and that's it's a good conversation so stay tuned for that later cool before we move on to the news we just want to send a shout out to our leftscape listeners and if you're new to our show hello and welcome oh actually we have a note from a new listener which is kind of a cool thing if i can find it here it is uh so dawn burn started listening to us in episode 81 so welcome that's very cool and here's dawn's message she says i listened to episode 81 my first listen to your podcast the day before i finished reading the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy in the (laughs) podcast you mentioned that you were taping on towel day (laughs) i never heard of towel day but understood the reference because i had just read the book i journal synchronicities and think they mean that i'm doing the right thing at the right time when i heard you mention the hitchhiker's guide i got that joyous feeling that i'm one with the universe pun not intended and right on course with my life. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's yeah. awesome. I thought that was really cool. So yeah. I'm really glad that you started listening and I hope you continue to enjoy the show. I uh, I think we make Hitchhiker's references in a lot of shows, or I know, <laughs> I, know I do. You can catch a new episode of The Leftscape every other Wednesday and subscribe to our website, leftscape.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer. And while you're at it, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leftscape. And you can support us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash leftscape, where there's extra content and some fun perks and opportunities. We're always uh, working on new new things we want to add and, and new, you know, new interesting fun content. So it is definitely something to check out. And you can always join us at the front row seats level for just a dollar a month. So, And it really does help us. So thank you so much. And now, here's all the news we can handle. Oh, boy. There yes. was some big news this weekend. What was it? Well, oh, as I mean, we all have heard, I'm sure, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday. 
uh, right pretty much as the sun was setting on Rosh Hashanah. And that is very significant to the Jewish people. It kind of, the stuff I've been reading about online about the the timing of her passing has to do with the very the the very righteous people the tzaddiks it's like god has to take them during the year but he waits till the very last moment of the year because the new year the year ended for for the jewish year 5780 or i think that was it on on friday at sunset and now we're in 5781 i guess so she she left at the very that the, the, basically the last moments of that year i was really hoping she could hold on for another 5 months <laughs> until january but she couldn't and it is up to us to make sure that mcconnell does not replace her until after inauguration day well that he doesn't replace her at all that she doesn't get replaced yes well, I yeah, and, and and after inauguration day, he won't even be in the Senate. I mean, that's like yeah, that's what we need to do. <laughs> that's, that's that's my that's my fantasy. So, if you have a Republican senator in your state, it is imperative to call them. And it's it's at this point, I think phone calls are the most effective contact method right now. It's okay. like a fax or, or those petitions, they're going to ignore that shit. But call them, call them on the phone, tell them, tell them that they, they need to promise they're not going to vote to install a new Supreme Court justice until after the inauguration. Yeah. And that's actually good information that the that phone calling is really best because I know that ResistBot has been going, working overtime, getting yeah. people to... To, to text, you know, yeah, to send texts and and uh, faxes, I guess. And yeah. that's you know, I mean, it's something, but as you say, I think hearing real voices really matters right now. Yeah, and it's it's also important it if you if it's the senator's constituency, like if they if they yeah. vote if they vote for 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 doing this, that you're not going to vote for them in November. Then they don't care if you're not one of their constituents. They don't right. care. Yeah. And I do want to also say that I think was it Act Blue was getting, I think they raised over twelve million dollars in the twenty four hours after. Oh, I saw that. I think I heard seventeen million. That's more. Okay, well, that's more than twelve million. It was like a hundred thousand dollars a minute or something like that. Yeah, that's what I read. And I know that a lot of people are are freaking out about it. I mean, it's it's one thing to be mourning, but everybody is also there's there's a lot of anxiety now i mean i even had a little bit i officiated at a same-sex marriage over the weekend and before i went out to the to the venue i was i was a little you know there was a little thing in the back of my mind saying you know i really i really hope that this wedding this marriage will continue to be legal mm. because because if they stack the court with conservatives like they want, that could go away. The uh, Affordable Care Act could go away. And we could, you know, and if you watched The Handmaid's Tale, I mean, all of this shit happened in that story over a very short period of time. And it's not out of the realm of possibility 
at this point. We are in very scary times and, you know, it's do what you need to do. So, yeah, I was reading something. I think a friend of ours posted this about, you know, in the, in the Jewish tradition, people say, may your, may your memory be for a blessing. Yeah. Right. And the meaning in that is from what I understood is that it's really, it's not just saying, remember this person was a good, nice person or a good person. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's like, keep that memory alive through being that positive, that positive aspect of them, you know? So like, yeah. how can we be like her and how, how can we carry on that legacy in a, yeah. in a meaningful Jews, way? Jews don't believe in the same afterlife that Christians believe in. There's no heaven. We don't believe in heaven or hell. I'm speaking as a non-practicing former Jew, a Jew witch, if you will. And the the thing may may their memory be a blessing means that I mean the Jewish people, it's it's more like you're not acting good so you get into heaven. You're acting good. You you behave as a mensch, which is basically a human being. With that has compassion for others and behaves under a certain moral code that Justice Ginsburg really did epitomize. And the whole point of it is it's more important to act in the world that you're in right now to make it a better place than it is to behave to get some sort of afterlife reward. And in this case, it's carrying on her legacy is is the blessing is for us to act to better other people and to do what she you know to continue her work that is a good lesson that really brought that home to me yeah thank you (sighs) so it's hard to think of other news because that was a (laughs) lot that was a lot this weekend but one of the things that i've been thinking about is you know the uh, bob woodward book came out called rage which I have, I haven't read too much of it just yet, but it talks about how Trump was very much aware of COVID-19 and its effects and its dangers like way early in this story. Yeah, like when he could have actually done something. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, that was, the it, it, people were talking about that a lot and some people were reasonably uh, angry at Trump about that. And a lot of people are also mad at Bob Woodward for not bringing this forth sooner. And I was feeling, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because one of the things is that people were saying, well, he just wanted to hold on to it to sell books. And I don't feel like Bob Woodward's, Bob Woodward's legacy is so much more important than like whether he sells another so many copies of a book that I don't feel like that would be his motivation. So I don't know. It was just a question in my mind what mm. I'm wondering how you thought about this sort of this part of the news, I guess. I I kind of thought he was also waiting, you know, I mean, if he had if in January or February when when Trump talked to him about this, if he went public with it back then, do you think Trump would continue to talk to him? Mm. I saw an interview with him, too, and the thing was that he said at the time he didn't really understand the whole the whole meaning behind it or anything, the significance of of it, because he didn't know that Trump was not going to do anything. 
there's that too. You would think that as a reasonable person, he would have taken steps to mitigate the number of dead and sick. Yeah. You know, the, the, the extent of the outbreak, you know, I mean, he, they, the, the Trump administration, I, I, I remember reading the thing where, where the post office person you're talking Trump, the the post office was ready to mail masks to everyone in the country. And they had, they had the masks, they had, they were ready to go. And they said, no, 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 don't do that. Oh, and also there was a whole plan that uh, Obama had put into effect for when this happened. Yeah, well, it wasn't yeah, even that Obama. Was a while ago. It wasn't yeah. even Obama. The Bush administration started the the pandemic response plan. Obama added to it, and but it was you know, because Obama added to it that Trump had to yeah. get rid of it because anything Obama did, he had to he had to get rid of. Yeah. Um, and now we're over two hundred thousand dead. Yeah, but and, you know what about it that that makes me scared is that there was this assumption that we all have is like, oh, he just Trump just did not understand the significance, and so then this shows that he did understand what was going on and he knew before everybody else, and we're thinking, is he really? not as stupid as we thought he was you know this is confusing that was actually a takeaway from this for me too because i you know when he was saying like well maybe you can use light or bleach or whatever and it just sounds so absurd it's um that uh, it was interesting for me to also reflect on the fact that no he he, this this was definitely a decision at least in this case you know so why Um, why do you think he made that decision because he doesn't care i think there's something more active in it is that he looked at this as an opportunity to create some kind of drama so that it would be it would help him in his polling yeah well i mean he thought i mean especially since the outbreak really started in you know new york and and in seattle you know he's figuring he's going to it's it's blue states and he doesn't care and it's going to yeah. just hurt it's going to hurt his political opponents it's an opportunity for him to for him and his family to to further enrich themselves and you know but i um, i also think that he looks at bush starting the war that he started and gaining popularity once a war was started and trump has tried to do that himself but he, he didn't manage to to get it done so i thought well maybe this will gain me some popularity if we have this big thing and then it's gone and then yeah, except- he, didn't, he didn't realize that he had no idea how to fix it. Right. And the other thing, too, I think, is that if you look at the AIDS crisis in the 80s, when it doesn't seem like it's affecting your immediate population, it's easy to ignore. Just ignore. Yeah. You know, so it could have factors of that as well. In other, but- in other people being stupid news. <laughs> Um, which is the stupid? What, what, uh, there, it, it, what was it? Half the fucking state of New Jersey oh. confused the Goodyear blimp for a UFO. I oh, mean, really? come on! That's right. Well, that, uh, when did that happen? I didn't hear about that. <laughs> Monday. It was about a week ago. So Monday, the fourteenth, I believe oh, okay. it was, um, on the news 
piece I'm looking at. You know, it, it made me th th to just the idea that a UFO might be coming to rescue us from all this craziness <laughs> was kind of appealing for a second. <laughs> but, uh, that also shows that it's been a long time since we've had a regular football game because the blimp used to fly over football games. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah the blimp was it's a blimp it's you know well please. from a distance i saw some of the images that people took of it and it did look like that disc shape with like shape. some kind of a light or something and maybe it was the logo that looked like a i don't know it was i mean it it still looked like oh a very <laughs> blurry photo of a disc like thing like you know it's not gonna convince anyone particularly but uh well you know i guess it a lot of people questioned it, <laughs> but that was an amusing uh, news bit that I was like, well, we can dream. <laughs> at this point, if aliens show up, I don't think they're going to have our best interests at heart. I just, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not holding out hope from from uh, gonna, anything saving us from outer show up space. With a cookbook. <laughs> oh no! Well, as a member of the Church of the Subgenius, you know we're we're still we're still waiting for the exes to uh, to come. So, <laughs> what are they going to do? Uh, oh well, they're going to save all the subgeniuses and the oh. rest. Yeah, well, that was supposed to happen twenty five years ago. Yeah, but didn't. you know maybe it was a miscalculation. So every <laughs> every every July fifth, okay, maybe this is the year, and we you all wear get together your and uh, foil hats. Yes. <laughs> I told you I told you about my high school boyfriend who actually he's the guy that turned me on to the Church of the Subgenius later on, um, back when it was the sacred post office box instead of like the internet. And um he had gone to the original X Day celebration that was a camping event and he yeah. said he got out of his tent and there were two contrails making a big X in the sky over their campsite, so he felt that was indication hmm. <laughs> that, that sure sounds funny to me yeah yeah <laughs> well there was no uh there was no x-day camping expedition this year but we it, we did have an x-day online which was oh that's cool yeah which was which was fun and we have to have some genius people on here one one of these days yeah <laughs> that will be a weird show that will be a weird show I mean, I have a card. I have my card. I have my my. You don't card count, Wendy. You're already here. <laughs> you gotta find. And Robin has been made way more active in the subgenius culture than I ever have been. Yes. The most I did, they had they had a subgenius devival meeting at one of the world cons I was at, and and that's where I got to see and hear uh, Reverend Stang. Which was uh, which was fun. Yeah, he's a good guy. Well, we'll put some show notes about the <laughs> subgenius on here because there are, I'm sure there are people who have no fucking idea what we're talking about right now. <laughs> <sighs> oh, so I do, and I, we if we ever do a show that concentrates on that, I had I ha definitely have stories I could tell you. <laughs> okay. uh, I I had a I had a, a hotel room share with a subgenius person at a convention one year, and that was just. A very strange weekend. <laughs> and yesterday I saw a, a little note by our state governor, Murphy, who is talking about weed legislation in the state. And he's and, and this particular thing is he was coordinating with the governor and the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who are, I guess also perhaps have weed 
legalization on their ballots this year? So it's I don't definitely know. on New Jersey's ballot. It's on the yeah. New Jersey ballot. Mm-hmm. It's it they've they've instead of leaving it up to the the state legislature, they have said, "Fine, we're going to ask the people what we want." I'm hoping that the people in New Jersey who are voting are voting to legalize marijuana for recreational use in the state of New Jersey. And what and Murphy had written was, "Like our neighbors in Pennsylvania, We are seeking to legalize adult use marijuana the right way with social justice leading the way. This would move New Jersey away from unfair drug laws, ensure fairness for minority owned businesses and create a stronger, fairer state. So that sounds good. I will also be voting to legalize. I think that is a good move for, for everybody involved. It's just unnecessary to harass people over this anymore. And the laws originally were implemented really out of racist yeah. tropes, as far as I understand. That there's really no, it was sort of a, a, a move to harass black people, basically, mm, you know, yeah. and jazz musicians and other un, <laughs> uncouth people <laughs> or something. Unsavory types. Unsavory yeah. types, right, exactly. Jazz, well, jazz musicians were, I think there were more people of color in the jazz community especially in the 20s and 30s when these laws started right and there was integration in jazz too which i think was oh, upsetting that, yeah. to people <laughs> that was not i know you know, so. oh my gosh it's you know dogs and cats living together yeah <laughs> right <laughs> jazz music well i think that uh, murphy also he has a monetary uh, motivation there too right well yeah the, oh, state, the state's broke and that when he, when he uh, during his daily briefings when he starts complaining about about the money i yell at the tv uh, like legalize marijuana you'll get all the money you need yep I mean, look what look at Colorado. You know, they they have this huge budget surplus because of it. And speaking of voting, ballots in New Jersey apparently were starting to get mailed out on the 19th, so that would be last Friday. Hopefully, you're starting. If you're in New Jersey, you're what, starting to actually see your, your ballot. Yes, yeah, Saturday. Sorry, I don't I don't know. You know, days, days, and the, the whole concept of of what day is it is is eluding. You know, it's mm-hmm. becoming less and less important. <laughs> they should start showing up in your house like this week, and that means you can either mail them back, or you can hand carry them to secure drop off points at various areas in your county, or at you could take them all the way to your uh, county uh, voter department in in wherever that is. I know for me, it's, I I think, in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Yes. And I have friends in Virginia who just voted this morning and we're very excited and happy about that. So yeah, the sooner the better this election. Yeah. So make sure you check your information for your, for your state and know where you can vote and make sure you're registered. Make sure you're registered and and get out to vote and, and make a plan. That's what a lot of people are really promoting like make sure you have a definite idea of when and how you're gonna get to the polls and if you're helping someone get there as well all the better and i think i think at this point that's all the news we're handling today yeah yeah (laughs) that's it hi robin renee here 
This Saturday, September 26th, from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, the Bi Writers Association presents the Bisexual Book Awards Virtual Multi-Arts Reading. Winners of the 8th Annual Bisexual Book Awards will read from their work, followed by a Q&A. Singer-songwriter Anne Hayton and I will provide musical interludes. Authors include Rosebud Ben-Oni, Sarah Blake, Rosalind Chase, Michael David Gordon, Benjamin Naka Hasebe Kingsley, S.A. McCauley, Esther Rappaport, Zach Smedley, Rebecca Kim Wells, and Elia Winters. The show will be hosted by Sheila Lambert. For more information on this free event and to RSVP, go to buywriters.org. The link to attend will be announced soon. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, September 26, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Hi, this is Tom Limoncelli, time management trainer and LGBTQ activist. You're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Happy to be welcoming Reverend Yolanda to our uh, virtual studio. <laughs> uh, Reverend Yolanda is a singer, songwriter, trans, femme, genderqueer performance artist, and interfaith minister, which is a lot, <laughs> a lot of good things. <laughs> Originally from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, which is just an amazing uh, hit factory of a place, which is it very was. cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Reverend Yolanda has been honored with induction into the GLBT Hall of Fame, the Blues Hall of Fame, and also two, uh, with two MAC awards from the Manhattan Association of Cabarets and Clubs. A brand new recording is out now, and it's called Yolanda Nanda, and it's based on her love for mantras of the Buddhist, Hindu, and Sikh traditions. So I am really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you. It's just so nice to see you after a long time. Yes, it's been a, bit, it's been a minute, definitely. It has. Well, I, I really want to talk about the new recording, but first, can you just give us a little history of Yolanda and uh, how you started out in music, a few of your highlights? I, I really want to hear about the Blues Hall of Fame. That's oh, amazing. I know. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and kind of how you landed here. So that's a well, big question. It is. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for asking. <laughs> well, um, so I'll I'll start at the beginning. I, you know, I'll I'll make it as brief as possible. But um, I just want to cover that, like, music has been with me from the very beginning because I was born in Muscle Shoals, and for those of you that may not know Muscle Shoals, but it it is called the hit recording capital of the world. It was um, every hit you can imagine that was popular from the 60s to the early 80s I believe because I had left a little bit before the 80s but anyway serious serious top 10 acts I mean everybody recorded there Bob Dylan Aretha the Stones Rolling Stones did Wild Horses and that whole album there and everything anyway so major major 
you know, music players. And my dad was um, involved in the music industry, as many of my friends and uh, family and, and different people in my neighborhood and just everybody was, you know, a lot. Um, so I grew up in music and writing songs and uh, singing at church and those kinds of things and learning how to play the guitar in a gospel bluegrass band and you know and i loved spirituality and at the time you know of course i was in alabama you know fundamentalistic christian all that stuff and i didn't know there was anything else other than christianity but um i got involved in music ministry really early so as i played with bands and performed Christian music and this, that, and the other, and got older and understood my sexuality and gender. I began to understand my gender identity. That took a long time, but my, you know, sexuality, my attraction toward men and this, that, and the other. Of course, that came into conflict with what I was doing in the church and all of that. So I left the church to major in musical theater <laughs> and moved to New York City, which I did in the 80s and lived in the East Village and began to, um, pick up songwriting again as a way to describe my journey uh, as being so excited about be, being openly queer in New York City in the 80s and all that stuff. And um, even though Boy George, you know, and I thought it was my time because, you know, Boy George was blah, blah, blah and all that. So um, I got signed to Christmas Records, da, 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 dance tune, didn't work crushed my heart you know <laughs> um found the radical fairies a group of um spiritually spiritually earth-based spirituality-based um queer folk and where the feminine the divine feminine is very prominent so that's when around that time i began to call myself yolanda and this was the early 90s and by 93, I had moved to a um, Radical Fairy commune in Vermont. Well, in, in that move, um, I just became Yolanda. Like, I, you know, everybody called me Yolanda. Everything was, I was Yolanda, finally. And um, so I started a band. Uh, Burlington was where I was living. And fish you know the band fish was there there was a lot of music there it was another music town young uh, college town and um so we started a band called yolanda and the plastic family and that got really big in vermont and i began to be invited back to new york to play at cbgb's at the uh night called homocore which was beginning to happen in late 99 early 2000s that just brought back such a memory. For that. thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> That's right. That wow. Was, I know that was quite a thing. And so um, I was traveling back and forth from Vermont to play at CBGBs, and my band was coming with me, and they were getting tired. And I was like, "Well, I'm just going to move back and see what happens," you know. And so I did in 2001, and since then, uh, you know. A lot of wonderful things have happened. Um, I, I reformed the Plastic Family in the early 2000s here in New York and and um, was fortunate enough to get signed to another record label, Fig Jam Records, which folded and crushed my heart again. Uh, but we put out a, an amazing uh, album called Abolicious, which was um, 
uh, a uh, bunch of different queer folk doing um, ABBA covers. You know, it was really fun. Anyway, <laughs> when the record label folded, I got um, my heart broken and I stopped recording and singing for a while. And uh, then I met my husband, who you just met. <laughs> he helped us get the sound happening for this yeah. interview, which was very, very <laughs> helpful. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're both from similar backgrounds in terms of spirituality and Christianity. His dad was a um, Baptist minister and stuff. And so uh, we had a lot of interest in spirituality, which brought us together, really, you know. And we began uh, reading a book called A Course in Miracles. And then we both decided to go to seminary. So we went to One Spirit Interfaith Seminary. And it was in that realm where I really began to pull it all together and understand what my journey was about. And that was, in my own words now, to create a music ministry, which is kind of sort of what I've been doing like my whole life, you know, is message, inspirational type music. So um, I graduated as Reverend Yolanda, then legally changed my name to Yolanda. And in that process have been, you know, was discovering my own relationship to my, what I call my trans gender queerness, you know, which is a lot of words, but it's a way to describe, I'm not a drag queen, I'm not male, um, you know, doing a in, in female uh, character or something. Um, I've always known that I was some kind of uh, gender queer, but I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the words to describe it or whatever, because for most of my life, it's either been you're a drag queen or you're a cross-dresser or you're a, you know, all those words we don't use anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> and so it took me a really, really long time. And with a lot of friend, help from my younger friends who are uh, in the, you know, trans rainbow, I began to understand my, you know, my particular place and to be able to describe it with trans, femme, gender, queer. So that's how I like to call myself. And um, I use she pronouns, and my legal name is Yolanda. But I didn't throw away my, the rest of my name, so it's a really long name, Yolanda Roger Anthony Mapes, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but I wanted to keep my whole history with me because I think it's important. So, uh, after graduating from seminary, uh, we started what we call church with a two drink minimum, and that was in the East Village, and it. it is really our church. I mean, we're not doing it live anymore. Uh, we were doing it at Sidewalk um, in the East Village, uh, but Sidewalk closed right before the pandemic anyway. And we were scrambling around to find another place. And we did one season at Don't Tell Mama, which was fine, but then the pandemic hit in a big way. And so we've been sort of actually modifying it as an online version every Sunday at five. And all of that's on my website. But um, it's just been uh, church with a two drink minimum. Minimum really um, helped me find my way into the practice of mantra because um, in seminary I became fascinated with um, Hindu and Buddhist uh, mantra, and then discovered Sikh mantras and Kundalini and and uh, you know different things along the way. And so for the past five years, as a sort of a um, morning spiritual practice, uh, Glenn and I listen to mantras and sing them and learn them. And so I've been learning a lot of different um, mantras that are meaningful to me uh, for about five years now. And um, 
Yolanda Nadi is the first record where I've specifically focused on the mantras as the main character in my songs and stories and stuff. However, the two previous albums, Reverend Yolanda's Country Gospel Kirtan, Volume 1 and 2, <laughs> began is where I began to mix um, my love for uh, old-fashioned uh, country gospel and the Hindu and Sikh and Buddhist influence. So it's been a process for a few years, but this is where I, the first album where I've just focused right on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I really love the concept and you know, I I've had my own journey with being a singer-songwriter and and finding a place for my spiritual self within that or even it finding yes. It sort of placing itself in into my music at a certain yes. point or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um so yeah. it was really it's really good to hear your your story. Exactly. And I, that's why I've uh I was so excited to talk to you today because I know we have that that similarity, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So bef- I just I do want to hear about the Blues Hall of Fame before you. Oh, okay. Yeah, what is what what, what song uh what, how did you get there? Oh, that is very strange and quirky, very very strange. You know how things um happen that you don't expect or whatever. So I was promoting um my CD Roman Yolanda's Country Gospel Kirtan volume 2, either one or two, I don't remember, but somewhere in that when I was doing all of that. Um, and it came to the attention of uh, a blues um, player by the name of Michael Parker, who was a, a real, he's recently passed, but he was, you know, a legit blues, you know, old, old timey blues guy, you know? And he just happened to live in um, Staten Island. And he um, was very involved with the New York Blues Hall of Fame. Now, the Blues Hall of Fame is, is, you know, all across the country. Each state has its own chapter and whatever. But he was on the nominating committee um, for the New York Blues Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, Michael was an amazing man. He loved my music and I was so grateful, you know? And so um, he really could hear the blues influence, which is natural from Alabama and all that stuff. Uh, by the by, just as a caveat, like WC Handy was also born in my hometown. So, you know I mean? Like there's a long history of all kinds of stuff, music. Um, but anyway, Michael heard this influence in my music and was particularly captured by a song called Somebody Save Me, which is on volume two. And um, he just decided he was gonna nominate me for the Blues Hall of Fame. He thought I was worthy of it, you know? And so he did and they accepted me and it was I was the first queer person, the first trans person, the first any kind of variant, you know, sexuality, gender, any of that person to be um, awarded a Blues Hall of Fame membership, you know? Um, so we in, we had an inductee ceremony at BB King's, which was like, eh, and now that's closed, you know? So I get to somehow do these groundbreaking things sometimes, you know, in venues that no longer exist. <laughs> 
There are pictures, though. <laughs> there's there there's documentation. That, that is a great story. Thank you for that. So Yolanda Nanda mm-hmm. is the, the latest album. I got to go attend your uh, CD. Or, is it is it on CD as well as? Oh, now uh, it is. Uh, I, I know it's, it can be a little confusing because I was releasing. Um, I've already released most of the songs, but I, okay. but I had two more to come. Okay. So uh, it is a full ten song CD, but I wanted to release it on my birthday. You know, uh, the first eight songs that I had, and use that as a fundraiser for um, BlackTrans.org, uh, which is um, a an organization that's doing amazing work in the Black trans community. And so I, we did the CD party as a fundraiser, and uh, all of the anyone that bought the CD at you know, from August 4th to September 7th, all of that money will go to blacktrans.org. And then after, on September 7th, I'm releasing the full album with two more songs. And if you've already bought the CD, you can, you know, I'll send you the um, two songs for free and all that stuff. Cool. And so by the time people will hear that this, it'll be out for sure. Yeah, it'll be out already. It'll be, it'll be out into the world and everything. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was a great, it was a great online event to, to hear, uh, you know, people's takes on on your, and the appreciation of your songs and this, see you do some performances and stuff. Thank you. One of the ones I really liked was a song called Queero. Uh, Do you want to talk about that one a little bit? Yes. Well, so, when I was growing up in Muscle Shoals, um, I was very aware of who I was. I was, you know, an odd little child. <laughs> and um, I didn't have many friends. Uh, and there was a friend of mine in my neighborhood, uh, a girl, and she, we became very close friends. And she was basically my only friend uh, for a while there. And it was very significant in my life. And um, people started calling her Queero. You know, they call me all kinds of names, you know, whatever, all those things people do. But they started calling her Queero. And I, you know, we were like, okay, so let's bond together and make a, um, a little uh, club around this, you know, affiliation that we have. And we both decided that we were witches and so we called it the witch club and so we would um meet two or three times a week and we'd uh double double bowl and <laughs> double double toll in trouble <laughs> we'd read you know that part from shakespeare and we'd have a big pot and we'd stir it and we'd cast spells you know and um this helped keep me sane <laughs> It felt like something proactive that I could do and something magical and and, um, it really helped me. She really, 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 her friendship really, really helped me. And so um, later uh, my family moved away and we lost touch for many, many years, but uh, I found her again on Facebook as an adult and we've been interacting and this woman is amazing she is a witch and she lives in my hometown and she's a feminist activist queer rights person she marches like right now they're like um removing a confederate statue from the courthouse or they're trying to but the you know the authorities are giving them all kinds of but wow are they like on it and this is in my hometown right and she's out there like 
giving them hell and I'm like, clear up, clear up, you know. So, um, <laughs> I am clear Junior high, she became a It's so great because the, the narrative of the of the song is very close to the story you're telling. It's it's oh it was really real. You were yes created your witch club and, yeah. and experienced that in real time. That's nice. It, cool. It's absolutely true, and that's exactly what happened. Um, she's very shy, and I asked her to be on the CD release party, and she didn't want to, and all, all that, you know. And she didn't want me to tell her about for me to tell her name and all that. But um, she loves the song, and she doesn't mind me call it, you know, saying queer, queer, queero. And it's a, it's a, it's a name now that I've adopted, you know, for myself and for all of us, you know, who are off the mainstream or whatever, you know, but um, she's a very, very powerful, influential woman in my life. And I just love her, you know, so. Yeah, I'm so glad you found each other again and we'll yeah. definitely be playing clips of these songs we talk about so that we'll oh, cool. definitely hear some of, some of that one. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, it, another just by the by, you know, um, thing about that song was that, um, I was recording it with my producer. His name is Phil Carroll, but um, Phil has uh, created this um, nonprofit called Recording Artist Development. And within that world, um, they're focusing on uh, bringing trans people's voices to the fore. And uh, it just so happens that there are um, different um, producers in the recording industry, you know, that have significant names that are uh, that critique our work, you know. So. Um, Jeff Jones, AKA the Jedi Master, is a Grammy award-winning producer. And he just loved this song. And he worked with Dr. John. He won his Grammy for a, um, for a project he did with Dr. John. And um, he just loved this song. So he asked if he could, you know, rework it and produce it. So the final version that you're hearing is the uh, Jeff Jones Jedi Master remix. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another song that uh, stuck out for me was Driving Desire. Oh. Feels very mystical and it's also danceable. I like the, the, the interplay of that. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm wondering if you want to speak to that a little bit. I, be I believe the lyrics are uh, As your desire is, so is your will. Yes. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. That is correct. Um, that is from the Upanishads. So I picked up, so I was playing with a couple things here. I was, um, I love that chant that I do, Om Paramishvaraya Vidmare, Paratat Vaya Dimahe, Tano Brahma Pratodaya. I love that. It's um, Lord Brahma, the creation mantra. And as I was working with that, um, I just picked up the Upanishads one day, we have it laying around, and I literally opened the book and there was this, and this quote was there and it said, you are what your driving desire is. As your desire is, so is your will. 
as your will is, so is your deed. And as your deed is, so is your destiny. Well, that blew my mind. And I was like, oh, those things go together, you know, because you're creating this with your driving desire, you know. realized as I put the video together that my driving desire right now is really to facilitate our next generation you know to facilitate the uh, appreciation of diversity and and um, creating a, a, a world that is safe for all of us to live in you know so um, fortunately at this time in my life I have the opportunity of working with an organization called Drag Queen Story Hour where we um, read stories to children. And we've been doing that now for about four years uh, in the public libraries and stuff in, in New York City. And since COVID online. Um, and so I just began to see how all of this ties together and what the creative process is like at this time for me. So that's why I um, recorded and put those two things together and then created the video as a tribute to Drag Queen Story Hour. Um, it's, again, like you say, the, the mix of sort of dance and, um, you know, these, these mantras and stuff is something I've been listening to a lot, actually. I mean, there are um, lots of, we just have a mantra list on our computer over here and it just plays and plays and plays. And many of them are, are incorporating this ambient sort of chill dance, you know, style to it. So I, I felt it really worked for this particular song, you know? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Do you really combine, um, ideas and mantra from several different spiritual traditions and languages and you know as well as the sort of the blend of sound so I, i'm curious about how important that is to you specifically like your creatively and and spiritually to bring oh, to bring pieces together well it really is um so i think of it this way um i entered i went to interfaith seminary it's here in in new york city uh, as a way of learning culturally from many different traditions, you know, and to somehow find a way to incorporate the wisdom from around the world and from around many and from many different traditions into my own spiritual practice. And 
I feel like that's important because in our Western mindset, it's so much of we we're we're taught to think that Western everything Western is the most important thing, you know, uh, every, every, we're bombarded with it all the time. Western thought, Western spirituality, Western, everything American or Western or European is the most important culture there is. That's not true, you know? And like, um, as we begin to understand the validity of, um, you know, the LGBTQ presence in the world, the racial diversity in the world, nature itself is full of diversity. I feel that we need to diversify our idea of what spirituality is too. And um, it's, to me, it's very simple. You know, we, we are spiritual entities expressing in this uh, phys physicality. So however we express to me is a, is a spiritual event, you know, it's a spiritual expression. Um, so I like to celebrate that by learning um, as much as I can and incorporating it. And I don't use anything that I don't necessarily, that I don't use on a daily basis myself. So the um, the mantras, everything I'm sharing are, are from my personal use of them, you know. Because so it's really authentic to your experience as opposed exactly. to just cherry picking right, right, right. Yeah. sounds and things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because I didn't touch them for a long time until I began to understand them. Well, first, you know, you have to understand the language and begin to pronounce it and find out what it is and where it comes from. And, you know, so um, that learning, and I've still got so much more to do because there's they're so in depth, you know, and they mean they're so meaningful and have such depth of of experience of from people all over the world, you know. So um, I, I I think I feel like it's an ongoing, ever uh, big, huge well of learning and learning and learning that I continue, you know, to experience. This is just the tip of it, you know. But these particular songs are. Uh, the ones that have helped me at this time to stay grounded, you know, so. Beautiful. You know. <laughs> so what else, anything else happening? I mean, it sounds like, you know, releasing a, an album and uh, Church for the Two Drink Minimum is happening online. Yes, right? yes, yes. A anything else you want to share? Oh, yeah, well, um, an amazing and beautiful opportunity has been has come to me and my husband and that is to um have the good fortune of purchasing some land in vermont and um we have begun the process of build of creating a space there which um we want to be a place where we grow food and create um, sustainable living practices and eventually create some sort of community living situation there. Um, 
it has just happened and we're just now at the very beginning <laughs> of cultivating what we want to do and with our ideas and everything like that. But it eventually, um, Glenn and I will be moving back to, to Vermont, you know, and um, creating a, a sort of a, um, a scenario there that we hope will be a legacy that benefits the LGBTQ community, you know, going forward. So um, we're at the beginning of that project and we call it Glory Land. So um, I'm kind of excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that and for and for everything you create. Thank you. you know. Thank you so much, Robin. Thanks so much. And uh, you can be found at Yolanda.net. Yes. So we'll make sure your links are on our on our show notes. Thank you. And specifically uh, Yolandananda.net. If you, ah, that's right. But if, I mean, if you want to really just look at that album. And it's been getting some a little buzz and nice things, you know. Some videos are there on that particular uh, uh, page. But so, yes, Yolanda.net and Yolandananda.net. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate it. So this is our blanket fort segment when we talk about, you know, some more personal things about healing and um, personal growth stuff, well-being, uh, that sort of self-care, self-care. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. One of the things I guess I want to mention first is that today is Celebrate by Visibility Day or, well, it's called a couple of different things. Celebrate by Sexuality Day, by Visibility Day whatever you want to call it, it is a day to be and be seen. And so it's important to me. It's a nice, it's a, it's a good celebration. Yeah. I'm not doing much official with it this year, probably, but it's a thing to remember. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was thinking about, God, what's just, what's just, how are we? How are we doing? I guess is what I want to ah. ask about. <laughs> I'm surviving. I, I don't know. I'm, it's been a rough, it's been a rough few days because it's like you, you, you look at the news or you're just reading Facebook and half of my friends are getting so disgusted with it because apparently there's a documentary on Netflix saying how awful social media is and how it's manipulating feelings and everyone wants, and now everybody's like, I'm leaving Facebook. And it's like, okay, I guess I am never going to hear from you again. Because this is our only interaction. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would love to get away from Facebook, but it's kind of how I run my business at this point. And it's how I stay in touch with a whole lot of people. And the people who are not on Facebook, I do not contact them very much. It's hard. I think unless, until we collectively decide that there's another medium that will serve 
all the purposes that we've unraveled Facebook in or they, it's unraveled us in one way or the other. Yeah. It's it's a tough call. And I know a lot of people po- politically think it's best to move away from it. And I, I guess I'm not ready for it for the same reasons, too. It, I did a show this past weekend for Black Women's Arts Festival. Yeah. How did that, I saw I saw an ad for that. And, and how did it go? It was good. It's a, it's being how to do a concert in your own home with dealing with all your tech stuff and interacting with people who aren't there is a, it's a interesting learning curve, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so it was, it was okay, you know, but, but the point is though, that the way that I get the word out about any of that stuff, I'm sure you saw it on Facebook, right? Or you could have seen it on Instagram, which is also on my Facebook. Damn it. I'm going to be performing a wedding and you were on stage, you know, when you were doing your thing. So I couldn't yeah, watch yeah. it. But. Yeah. But it's on YouTube. So it's, you know, oh, we can, cool. we can get the word out about it, but, but yeah, it's, is a dilemma, but I guess right now it's a, it's a dilemma I've made peace with that for me to do the best that I can to stay in touch with people and to promote things and to even about our own, for our own podcast to let people know, you know, Facebook is far from perfect, but it's one of the ways we're, we're doing things right now. So kind of what it is yeah but uh, but on a personal note i spent a lot of time processing ruth bader ginsburg's passing on friday night just another with another great social media <laughs> thing <laughs> uh, well facetime and then also on zoom no i think we were just on facetime actually anyway with with a number of friends john and steph and and Anne and tony different times in the night just sitting and commiserating and crying and what are we going to do now Ing, kind of stuff. But it's, it, it felt, you know, even though I'm here by myself, mostly it did feel like a real way of connecting with people who are not in the same state as me, mm. you know? Yeah. I'm still processing and I probably will be for a while. Yeah. Processing it too. But there's part of me feels like that she passed on the torch that that I don't want to let her down and to to give up hope would be letting her down because I mm-hmm. have to keep the fight going. Yeah, I I kind of got that inspiration too. You yeah. know. I had uh the other thing for me is that yesterday was my wedding anniversary and uh and I, on Facebook, I, I really waited until late in the day to put anything on Facebook. But I I was like thinking, well, do I put something up? Because this is going to make people sad. For, for our listeners that don't remember, my husband passed away this year. But um, And I thought, you know, do I put something up and make people sad? Or do I just not celebrate this day? Because to me, it's still a good day. You know, so I had to celebrate it. So it was a good day for you or was it a sad day for you? That's the odd thing. It was both. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. I want to celebrate the fact that I had, that we got married. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You spent a lot of years together too. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think, I, I think that. You know, if you need, if you need to, but if you need to express your, your grief or your not grief about somebody who's not here, just post it, 
you know, don't worry about if you're going to bring people down or not. I mean, mm -hmm. I have, you know, there is everybody's losing people now and people have have lost their loved ones in the past. And and one of my close friends who's in California, uh, her son died in an automobile accident, I think, six years ago at this point. And the first year after he was killed, it was she was having, you know, every post she did and multiple posts a day were in, in relation to the fact that her son is gone. And, 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 you know, you just have to let people grieve. Mm. Well, one of my other blanket fort things though, is that lately I have been catching myself slipping into thinking about him and thinking about him at the end where, when it was really bad and he was like in a coma and out of it and, getting upset. And then I just, because I'm in my house by myself, I just stop and I yell, stop thinking about that. And it seems to be the only thing I can do is just yell at myself and say, stop thinking about that. Think about something else. Think about something happy. But mm. you know what? In this pandemic, it's really hard to think of something happy. Yeah. Mm. Well, if, um, I'm here. Let me play armchair psychologist for a second. Mm -hmm. um, I was just going to give you a suggestion. Um, Something happy I can think about. To well, just come up with, you know, get get three to ten really good memories of you and Alan. And like, especially if you have pictures or something that you can remember, put those up in different rooms of your house. Yeah. And then if you are thinking about Alan at the end look at those pictures and, and just replace that memory with something good. Yeah. And, yeah. and yell and yell. Yelling is good too. I think yeah. yelling is good. I remember the time we did uh, the scream therapy ritual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we did that, that here. That was yeah. very good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm more likely to listen to myself if I loud. <laughs> well then do it, you know, no, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the, the reasons why I wasn't, encouraging my daughter to visit her grandfather when he was in the hospital because I didn't want her last memories of him to be yeah you know in that bed yeah that yeah that's it yeah wow that's my my last memories of him mm. <laughs> are, are him laying dead in the in his room at the assisted living and me looking up uh, funeral parlors to come collect the body in the yellow pages. That's my that's, last memory. <laughs> that's exactly the memory that I have. Oh, it's so sucky. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. So I am uh, thinking about losses in, in a sort of a different way lately. I've, you know, just doing this, this show this past weekend, I'm really, really brings home for me like how much that's a part of what I need to be doing and writing and, and playing and doing, you know obviously yeah and just being being a, the, the creative artist part of me is really an essential part of what I want to be doing and where and how I'm most fulfilled you know hmm. I think if I can armchair psych psych out psychologically analyze myself <laughs> I, I feel like there's been like a good solid decade or more of longer of grief actually 
that or it's maybe it was like a good 10 years of grief but 10 but the year 10 years ago now uh, in a way oh wow so are you ready to get out of it well that's the thing i think uh, i'm ready to be singing more and i'm ready to be uh we're ready for you to sing more yeah you know so writing through a lot of that grief is is part of it i think i think that's been what's been blocking me to some degree and i've also had practical things in terms of just working on other things that brought brought more immediate money and and other kinds of stuff but you know if you don't keep progressing on the ways that are more um um fulfilling then they don't ever happen you know and and you know i was doing okay and got derailed in in a lot of ways i think emotionally by stuff that was going on and i'm you know i've i felt more i felt ready to deal with those things more at different times in my life and i have i I don't think i've made zero progress but it just was very clear to me um that that's a thing i i need to be working on more actively so yeah be doing that work so what's our blanket for answer for these things? I don't know that we have a blanket answer for the we blanket don't. for it. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, it, I, you know, the, the psychology memes that pop up on Facebook a lot have, have all revolved around the theme of, of the fact, you know, that COVID and, and all the stuff that's going on is actually, it's a detriment to creativity. It, it it kind of blocks because you're you're kind of in oh you mean like pe- people are at home and they're thinking well as long as I'm home maybe I should start that novel that I always yeah to and they and and well and there are people, there are people who have actually done things like that that have that have taken the time taken this pause to be creative and to do that and and there are others of us who are beating ourselves up because we are unable to be creative. Can I and, jump in for a second? Yeah. Okay. So this is, I'm slipping into why is this awesome? <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 this happened in about April. You know, the pandemic wasn't so far. Hulu showed the first episode of something called Staged. Have you watched that? No. That's what you have to watch. <laughs> Stage. It's David Tennant and Michael Sheen. And okay. there are two actors who were supposed to be doing a show on Broadway or the West End, and suddenly mm. the pandemic happened. So the whole thing takes place on Zoom, them talking back and forth, and it's hilarious. It okay, is, it's very creative. So did you did you see Good Omens? Yeah, well, that's okay. it's after they did Good Omens. Yeah, I figured, and they I were figured. going, they wanted to do something else, and. Their families are in it. The family, their wives come in and out. You hear the kids screaming in the background, and it's it's hilarious. Okay, hmm. so I'm recommending that's awesome. Okay, but it it's really an example of people actually being creative, and that they jumped on it and got it done in April is mm-hmm. amazing to me. Yeah, well, that is that has been a, in a way a good part of all of this is that I've been. You're, I'm kind of forced to think of how to do things other ways. And I guess a lot of people are doing that too, you know? So just the fact of 
learning how to do sound at home by myself is something that I have wanted to do for a long time. And now it's like, okay, yeah, it's really probably a good time to do that now, you know? So I can, I can see that as a positive project, but I don't want to, again, like you mentioned, like beat myself up for like, oh, I really wanted to do that today and I didn't get to it. You know, it's, we you are in strange times. Yeah. You know, but um, speaking of, I did, attend a friend's wedding this this weekend via zoom mm-hmm. so definitely uh congratulations to steph and kim that was really cool <laughs> they got married in north carolina with just a few people on site and a lot of us uh on zoom and they actually you know they had the ceremony and everything and then asked people they had a little break asked people to get go get their beverage of choice and <laughs> they broke us out into the the um Oh, they had breakout groups? The breakout groups became your table where you uh-huh. were oh, cool. <laughs> And then the, the brides came around and spoke to everybody, oh, you know, in so turn. Cute. So they kind of made it. It was, yeah, it, oh, it was really cute. cool. It was more, it was creative and, uh, and very beautiful. So that was a, a bright spot in the, in the weekend. But then I went dancing and that was, that's always a really soul shifting positive thing for me a friend who who I usually do my new wave dance clubbing with invited our whole group and you know put out plywood out in his yard he had a couple of fire pits going so that people could oh, be wow. socially distanced while people they could socially distance and da- and have a dance floor out in, a, in this <laughs> yard yeah it's really fun <laughs> I like so, that yeah that's that's really uh dancing is always healing for me I love it so we're, we're all trying to do our best here yeah i think well that's pretty much all you can really do is your best yeah and And be kind to yourself yes be Mm -hmm. kind to yourself that's good advice hard to remember You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Thomas Limoncelli. Web hosting by InMotion. And remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.